All right, so real quick, I'm going to ask a question. Hopefully, you guys will respond. Um, in your own words, what would you say worship is? It could be like one word or like 12 words. can't be 13, though. Adoration? Adoration? Oh, dang. That was divine. <laughs> no, that's good. Adoration is good. Anything else come to mind? Absolutely. Giving glory, being thankful. That Those things are all true. And, and what we're going to um, kind of dive in um, a little bit into, well, actually a lot of it, um, into this uh, passage is, is going to kind of have a, a better understanding um, of what worship is. And both those things are true. And it's more of an all-encompassing um, thing. Worship is a lot bigger than sometimes we understand it to be. Um, but we're going to kind of look at what pleases God in worship. What, what is God after um, when we worship him, what what does he want from us um, to do that in a way that honors him and that brings him glory? Um, so we will briefly discuss um, four principles of worship. These aren't the only principles that you can find in the Bible about worship. Um, these aren't the only things um, that you can find in this passage about worship, but these are just a few things um, that stuck out to me. And so we'll talk about four uh, just basic principles of worship in this passage. And we'll also, um, at the end, kind of go through four um, practical steps that we can kind of implement um, in our lives to help us grow in our um, faith and understanding. Um, so as we jump in, we're jumping into, um, I guess I should, probably should have the verse on there. It was on the first slide. We're in John 4, um, chapter or John 4, verse 19 through 24, if you need to get there. Um, but we're kind of jumping into the middle of the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. So many of us are familiar with this. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of history and background to catch us up to speed. Um, the Samaritans and Jews had a, had a big disconnect with each other, um, and it was over the location of worship. The Samaritans wanted to worship on Mount Gerizim. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and the Jews worshipped in the temple. Um, and so because of this, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. Um, the Jews were following the proper guidelines that God had given them instructions uh, to worship him at the time. Um, whereas the Samaritans weren't. And so that's kind of the big uh, rift that uh, existed between um, the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, a little bit of controversy um, is uh, a man speaking to a woman. This is something that didn't happen, um, that didn't take place a whole lot in a public setting, especially one-on-one, um, not to mention that Jesus is a Jew and the woman is a Samaritan. And then also, um, we'll kind of brief you, briefly catch you up on, on the discussion they had. So, Jesus is on his way to um, Samaria, and he comes to this well, and, and this woman is there, and he asks her to get, her, get him a drink, and uh, she says, who are you, a Jew, to talk to me, a uh, Samaritan woman, and they begin to have this little discussion with each other, um, and he begins to tell her about this living water that he has um, that would make her no longer thirst, and so she wants this water, and he responds, go get your husband, and so she says, well, sir, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You have, have had five husbands, and the one that you currently have is not yours. And so now all of a sudden, this woman's eyes are open. Okay, this is not just a normal man. Um, there's something special about him. She uh, begins to perceive that he might be a prophet. Um, and so that's kind of where we'll pick up um, in this story. So starting in verse 19, um, says, this is the woman talking. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. 
Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, so the first uh, principle we're going to see on how to worship a king is you worship a king with a purpose. So we'll go back to verse 19 and 20, and this is the woman. I uh, see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you just say um, the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And what we can learn from this um, is that before Christ, worship was very specific. The Old Testament um, worship was uh, very detail-oriented. It had steps and processes that had to be followed in order to honor God. Um, And so the Samaritan woman is trying to pull Jesus into this debate that was taking place between um, the uh, Samaritans and the Jews. Um, But uh, the problem here was that uh, the Samaritans were not following um, the Old Testament, the instructions that God had given them at the time in order to worship Him properly. And so, um, even though the Old Testament worship does not apply to us today, um, but our worship still must be an intentional and with purpose. Like I said, God had specific instructions for um, the Jews at the time to, to worship Him. They all were, uh, they all represented something about who God was um, and represented something about um, the relationship between God and man. And so it was a constant reminder for the Jews about uh, the truth and knowledge of God. Um, but the Samaritans weren't exactly doing the things the way they were supposed to. Um, and so that's, again, where that disconnect comes in. And um, Crystal and I often try to get Grayson to eat his food. Grayson's three, um, and he does not like to eat. Um, he, he will graze all day, but he won't eat a whole meal. And so we'll say, buddy, you got to eat your food. We want clean plates, clean plates, happy plate. So we ask Grayson for happy plates all the time. Um, but he always takes his time. He's very slow. Um, he kind of nibbles on things. And so there's often times that we uh, get up from the table, we go do dishes or we're doing whatever, um, and Grayson will come and show us an empty plate. He's like, Dad, we have an empty plate. I cleared my plate. And we're like, oh, that's awesome, dude. And then uh, I'll go check the trash can, and his food is in the trash can. And he doesn't understand why he's in trouble because he cleared his plate. It's a happy plate. Um, so Grayson um, technically did what I asked him to do, but he didn't do it the way I wanted him to do it. And so that's what uh, we can kind of gather from the situation right now is that uh, the Samaritans thought they were worshiping God, but they weren't honoring them, honoring God uh, with uh, their actions because they weren't doing it the way that God had instructed them to. And so they, they lacked the purposefully placed steps that took place at the temple. And so God wants us to be intentional when we worship. He wants us to have purpose when we worship. We don't want to just... Uh, flippantly um, kind of go through the motions it's really easy we are creatures of habit it's really easy to just to come in uh, through the doors on a sunday morning or or whatever you do daily um, to worship god it's really easy just to kind of go through the motions and we have to be very intentional and purposeful when we approach god in these times um, so that we're not just getting a check in the box we're not just um, going through the motions but that we're being intentional and purposeful um, when we're seeking god so the next principle we have is that we worship a king through access. So in verse 21, this is Jesus talking now. He says, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming 
when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So an important word here is our. So John uses our often um, to reference um, the coming of Christ or um, the, uh, the Christ's ministry in itself or the cross. And so Jesus is saying um, an hour is coming. He's literally referring to himself. And now he is uh, removing the physical locations of worship. So this woman is trying to get Jesus to engage um, in this debate. And he's, he's saying, he's, he's thinking well beyond this point and saying, you guys um, don't even need to worry about that right now because something's about to change the way that you interact with God. Um, so back to the Old Testament type of worship. So only the high priest had access to the presence of God. So once a year, the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. He had to go through a series of steps, a series of routines, a series of um, sacrifices and, and, and different things to, um, to make the sacrifice to represent uh, on behalf of the, the people. Um, but if he, did, if he messed it up, if he didn't have the right heart, um, he would die. If he entered the Holy of Holies, if he went on the other side of that veil, which separated the presence of God um, from the rest of the temple, if he, if he did not do that correctly, he would die. And so what they would do, they would tie this rope around their waist when he would go back there to, to make the sacrifice. Um, and if he died, they had little bells on the, on the rope too. And so if the bell stopped ringing, then you would assume that he's not moving, and then maybe something bad happened. So they would yank the rope out because they obviously can't go get him because then they would die. Um, and so this kind of made me think about a little bit of my time um, in the Marine Corps. So if you want to go on vacation or if you want to leave um, the area in the military, you have to fill out um, what we would call a leave chit or a liberty chit. And it's basically this very detailed document um, discussing um, what you're doing, what your plan is. You'd have to get your vehicle inspected. They would look for check engine lights, if you had enough tread on your tires, if you had windshield wiper fluid or not. All these, all these things you had to say when you're leaving, how often you're stopping, how long you're stopping for, what would you do if your tire blew out? Do you have money to fix your car? If you're all like all this crazy stuff, and so it sounds a little bit ridiculous, um, but it all had a purpose. If you can imagine a bunch of eighteen to twenty-two year old kids with a paycheck, and their entire military career, they've been told, at least in the Marine Corps, they've been told that they're the coolest people in the world, and then you're about to let them go drive across country or drive several hours. You can imagine that some bad things might happen when you got some kids who may not be so mature, but they have some money in their pocket and they just kind of want to go blow it and have fun. And so these processes uh, wasn't to be restrictive and it wasn't to be um, in your business, but it was designed for their protection. It had a purpose. It had um, steps. It had a procedure to get that individual thinking about the entirety um, of what they were doing. And so that's, that's kind of like the Old Testament uh, worship at the time. Um, they had specific instances and specific things they needed to do that reminded them and protected them, um, one, from the presence of God, because they would literally die if they were in his presence, but two, it was to remind them and, and rightly orient them in that way. And so now, if Crystal and I want to go on a vacation, we can just go. And we, I mean, technically, we don't have to tell anybody. Um, but uh, but we still have to be purposeful. We still have to be intentional with it. I don't have to go through a series of, of, of hoops. Or I don't have to have Ryan come dig through my car to make sure it's not broken or something. Um, but I still need to have an intentionality with it. If we just hopped in the car uh, with no money in the bank, 
and no gas, um, eventually we'd stop and we'd be kind of stuck and that would be dumb. Um, but so we, ha- I have the freedom to go somewhere um, and how I want to, and I don't have to go through all these hoops um, anymore. And so that, that's kind of our worship now um, after we place our faith in Christ, after uh, the cross, we have the freedom to express ourselves in worship um, in many, many ways. Um, so, yeah. All right, so we have, uh, we worship the king through access. We have access, you know, you, you place your faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit enters you. You literally become the temple. Um, you, you hold the presence of God within you. So you are always within um, God's presence. So our third principle is going to be we worship a king in response. So Jesus is still talking here, and he says, uh, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. And we've kind of said this a lot, um, but obviously the Samaritans were not following the proper steps. They were not looking at worship through the entirety of of God's word at the time, and they weren't following through um, with the things that they needed to fall through, and they weren't seeing the promise and work of God um, that was to take place through Israel. They were just kind of doing their own thing, um, and it wasn't truly um, honoring God. And so because they weren't um, honoring God, their, their worship was without, without knowledge. It was in a vacuum. And you can't worship God um, without truth. Um, if, if you don't know who God is, how can you worship Him? And so that was a critical aspect then, and it's still a very critical aspect now. And we have to see worship through God's Word, through the entirety of His Word, um, and through our relationship with Him. And so two weeks ago, uh, Chris and I, we went to Branson. <clears throat> and... Uh, Brinson's about six hours from here, a little less than six hours, but it's a little much for two kids. You know, you got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, and so I said, you know what? Instead of leaving uh, Thursday morning, how about we leave Wednesday afternoon, um, and we'll stop in Kansas City, and we'll spend the day in Kansas City. So typically when we stop, um, we just get kind of the run-of-the-mill hotel. We don't really care, uh, you know, paying a bunch of money to sleep in the bed for a few hours, and then you leave. Like, I don't want to pay a bunch of money for that. Um, but anyways, I decided, like, you know, let's have fun. You know, we're, this is our first, like, real family vacation. Let's do something unique. So I found this hotel in Kansas City that had themed rooms. And so, like, on the website, there's, like, airplanes on the wall and, like, cars and stuff. And I'm like, man, Grayson is going to love this. And um, so we're, we're heading out, and I am talking this hotel up. I'm telling Grayson it's going to be so awesome. He already loves even the boring hotels. He's going to love this hotel even more because there's airplanes and cars on the wall. And Crystal kind of is like, I don't know if I should trust you, but okay, this will be cool. Um, so we get to Kansas City. It's right after we eat. It's probably like 7-ish, 7.30. Raylan is not happy. She goes to bed at 8, so she's already like, I'm tired of being in this car. Grayson's bored, all this stuff. We get to the hotel, get our room key, get checked in, we'll go upstairs. And I'm trying to you know, do a little key thing and time it right so you can you know, get in. It's not working. And finally, the door opens, and a little chain thing catches. And I'm like, oh, come on. How does this happen? And so I'm trying to, like, reach in and, like, see if I can, like, f- flip it off. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the door swings open, and we're face-to-face with somebody else. And so um, she, we kind of had this, like, awkward, like, uh, okay. And she, she said, uh, do they, did they give you this room? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, we've been here since, like, two. And I was like, okay. Uh, so ran back downstairs. Got it all sorted out. I guess 404 looks a lot like 409. Um, and so they gave us the wrong room key. Luckily, they had a little chain thing on there. Who knows what we would have 
walked into. But Raylan is is not happy. Grayson is bored out of his mind, and he wants to see this cool, super cool room that Dad's talking about. And so we got we get the right room key. Door opens right up, no problem this time. And I walk in, and <laughs> there is this very strange flag on the wall, and then there's like pictures of people over the wall. So I took pictures. So um, I knew I could use this one day, and I'm I, I'm glad I did. So that is some legs, and it um, apparently represents some three tribes or something of, of Sicily or Italians, something like that. Um, here's some pictures of some dude on a wall. Um, and so it turns out we got the Italian mafia room um, with our three-year-old son and uh, one-year-old daughter. And uh, so here's this guy. Um, that's Scarface, I guess. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Italian mafia stuff, but his name is D. Giovanni. This is his last name. Apparently a big deal. And it's got every picture has a little bit of the rap sheet on it. Um, and then there's like another wall I didn't get a picture of that's like newspaper articles of all these like crazy things that happened in Kansas City. And um, <laughs> needless to say, um, I elevated. Right, right. And so I, we walk in the room. Crystal's got railing in her hand, and I just kind of like do this awkward smile, like, oh my gosh, this is not good. And then she just gives me, like, you're dead. <laughs> Look. So, anyways, the hotel has normal rooms, like, we, and it's already 8 o'clock almost by this time. And, like, like there's there's nothing we can do. Like, we're, we're sleeping in the mafia room. Um, so, I elevated uh, that hotel. I, I talked about it. I got excited about it. And I put it on a pedestal, um, but I obviously did not know what I was talking about. I obviously didn't have a full knowledge of what it could be. Granted, this is something silly, um, and, you know, I guess only so many rooms can have planes and cars um, as their theme. Um, but I, I elevated that room, and I, and I kind of exalted it a little bit to the kids um, because I was excited about it. But I didn't have a true knowledge. I didn't have a true understanding what it was. I didn't have a proper response to the hotel because I didn't really know. And so if we don't have a proper knowledge of who God is, if we don't have um, an understanding of his word and, and the truth that it has for us or in our lives on a daily basis, then, then we might be exalting something that one might not be true. Um, and, it, and it doesn't really mean anything because it, it lacks substance. So God wants us to, to respond and worship um, based on things that are true about him and our relationship with him. And so that leads us to our final principle that we worship a king with intellect and emotion. That is our head and our heart. So Jesus is still talking here. We're in verse 23. And again, he uses the word hour here. So, but an hour is coming um, and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So if there's any common theme here, it's obviously about worship and he uses the word spirit and truth twice here. And again, we have this hour. Jesus is referring to himself, and he's literally telling her, I am right in front of you, and this is happening right now, um, but you don't see it. So what we have here, um, and what we can learn from this, that worship takes place within two divine realities, and that is spirit and truth. And we've been talking a lot about truth up until this point, because if we don't know God, then we can't worship him. That's, that's a given. Um, but sometimes what we often forget is that worship... Um, goes beyond that. God wants our our whole selves in worship. And so spirit 
in this phrase, in, in spirit and truth, um, has two potential implications here. The word they use is, is pneuma, um, and so uh, this obviously is the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. And so when we worship God, you have to be born again. If you, if you haven't been saved by grace through faith, um, then you know the things you do in worship don't really mean anything. Um, there, there's no truth, there's no understanding, there's no relationship there, so you're kind of lifting up empty phrases. Um, so we must be born again. And when, and when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in um, John 3, um, he says, uh, what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. It's the same phrasing here. Um, so that obviously means that we need to be made new. We need to be made new in Christ um, in order to worship him. But also, what we can understand from this is that God wants, the spirit can also be uh, the inner part of the man. That's our whole self. That's our, that's our heart. That's our emotions or our, our moral um, understanding or, or, or compass. And we can see a similar situation um, back in Isaiah, um, verse 29 and 13, and, and God says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are, har- are far from me. And so um, that was kind of the situation, and it doesn't go into a ton here, but that is the situation that the Jews were in at the time of Jesus' ministry. You had the Pharisees who were so religious and ritualistic that they were literally missing um, their, the Lord and the Savior in their presence. They, they were missing Jesus because they were so caught up in the routine and their knowledge and their pride that they, they weren't worshiping from the heart. And so um, they completely missed the, the big picture here. It wasn't about how much you know. God doesn't care about how much you know. We obviously want to be rooted in the Word and have a great knowledge and understanding of the Word. But God could care less if you have a seminary degree or not. He wants you to know Him personally and intimately um, and to respond in such a way. Um, another uh, thing we see here that God is Spirit. Again, we are talking about being saved. Um, and that is the understanding that worship is a response to a supernatural reality. Um, we don't typically in, in our circle in the Baptist community, we don't necessarily use supernatural a lot because it kind of gives people the heebie-jeebies. But, you know, we're talking about a God of the universe, the God who transcends time and space. We're talking about a God who created us. That in itself is a supernatural thing. Um, and so when you're saved and uh, when you place your faith in Jesus, this is a supernatural reality um, that we that we come to know God. This is a a thing that's well beyond anything we can comprehend, but it, we can't even get close to comprehending it or get close to knowing God unless we know the truth about God, unless we know who He is. So what does this mean for us? So for us now to worship in spirit and truth, we, we can't, truth without heart is is is, is emptiness. There, it's just like the Pharisees' words. It's a whitewashed tomb. It's it's nothing. It, uh, God God, like I said, God doesn't care about how much you know about the Bible. He wants you to know the Word, and He wants it to, to be ready on your lips so that you can glorify Him in the way that you live, not so that you can be prideful in, in, in how much you can memorize uh, Scripture. Um, <clears throat> so we have to be careful not to become complacent, and that's exactly what happened to the Pharisees. They, they um, did the same thing, and, and though it may have started in the right place, it became this um, kind of uh, lack of relationship with God. And if you even go back to Genesis, you know, before the fall of man, God created man to have communion and relationship with him. Like that, that is the sole purpose of our creation is to glorify God by living with him and following his um, commands and, and just worshiping him in his presence. And, um, at, you know, without, without heart, without, without a relationship, um, uh, the, the truth is, is it means nothing. You know, 
this is my wife, if you don't know, but Crystal is my wife, and I can say, write her a poem or something, and say, babe, we've been dating for 12 years, and uh, I guess we've been married about eight. Love you. It's true. Not very, not very romantic, you know, or I could, um, I can come to her and say, uh, Crystal, I love your blonde hair and your brown eyes and your dark olive skin. It just melts me. And, and it might sound a little more romantic or uh, uh, that I'm a little more into the situation, but I'm clearly not talking about my wife at this point. And so though the emotions might be there, um, that is, it's not based on anything true. And so that is worshiping out of, um, out of the spirit, essentially, um, with, without any knowledge of truth. I mean, she would obviously not be happy if I started singing that song to her because it, bad things would happen, I promise. But if I said, Crystal, we have been through so much together. We um, have walked through such difficult times, and even when I didn't deserve your love, you stood by my side. Um, you love our children in such a way that I just I see God through you. I see Christ working in you, and it just makes my heart filled with joy and passion to see um, you be a part of my family, and I'm so thankful that I get to call you my bride. So those things are true, but they're also heartfelt. It is, it is a response that is based on truth, and it's a response to that truth that comes from my whole self. It comes from my heart, from my mind, and from my soul because I love my wife dearly. And so that, that, is, that is what this is talking about, that we have to worship God in a way that is, is about our relationship with Him, and it's about our understanding of who He is. Because if you, again, and it sounds like a broken record, but it, there's a reason why uh, Spirit and Truth gets re- repeated a lot, is, is we have to not become creatures of habit, because we are creatures of habit, and if we can learn anything about uh, the scriptures at all is that we find a way to screw things up. Um, we're broken on the side of heaven. We will never be perfect. Um, and so we have to be intentional. We have to be purposeful when we worship God. We have to um, realize that we have access to God wherever we go. And we have to um, respond to that um, action. We have to respond to that understanding and that knowledge of God. And that response is is not only based off the, the truth, the knowledge that we know about Him, but it's also um, about us in ourselves it's a relationship we are the bride of christ and just like crystal is my bride i i have to communicate with her both on an emotional level and 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 a knowledge level like it there's no separating the two and it's the same thing with us in our relationship with jesus and with god is that we have we have to understand it as a relationship um but it has that relationship has to be firmly rooted in truth and the knowledge of god's word um and there's no there's no separating the two so that was our uh, final principle, and so we might kind of say, well, where do we start? And um, and so I, I have about four little baby steps um, that that we can try to implement in our lives. And this is by no way trying to belittle anyone's uh, uh, walk. Um, some of these are very simplistic, and so if you do more than this, and that's awesome. We can always grow um, in our spiritual disciplines with the Lord. Um, but some simple steps that you can implement is pray. Start with five minutes at the beginning and end of your day. Uh, prayer is extremely powerful, it's extremely personal, um, and it's a way that you can communicate with God and He can communicate um, to you. Um, and and you, know, you may not know what to pray, so you can start with maybe just giving God praise. Thank Him for things and be specific. 
Thank him for your, your home. Thank him for your family. Thank him for um, just giving you breath again to breathe, that you have lungs, that you have another day to live. Um, these are all things that you can thank God for. Uh, excuse me. Ask him that you would see him throughout the day. Um, God is the creator of the universe, and, and our, our world screams um, his creation. Paul says in Romans that um, God's, um, the reality of God is seen all throughout creation, and we are without excuse to not see it. And so um, if you, you take something like the mountains in Colorado or the Grand Canyon, and it just, it just screams like, oh, my gosh, like, like how awesome is this? It's a wow moment. Um, and so if you ask God that he, would, that he would show you himself throughout your day, you'd be surprised in the little things that he might bring up in your mind that you maybe not have even paid attention to. Um, and you'll begin to see God in um, specific things in your life that you may have missed before. Um, and again, another thing you can pray about is your needs or the needs for others. And again, we need to be specific. Being specific, um, it's not that God doesn't know. God knows. Um, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He groans on our behalf. Um, and so God knows. But um, being specific in prayer is vital, is, is really important in our prayer life. Um, on, a, on a kind of fleshly side, it's, it's pretty cathartic to be specific um, when you pray. But even more so on a spiritual level, you, um, or one, you're orienting yourself to God because you're praying to Him. And then now you are taking a specific instance and you're almost essentially laying it down at the feet of Jesus because you're being specific. Um, it's really easy to say, God, help me through this season. And that's a great prayer, and there's nothing wrong with that prayer. God knows the season that you're in, and He knows your needs. But it's a whole different prayer when you say, God, my marriage has fallen apart. We are beyond reconciliation. I have absolutely no idea what to do. But God, I want to honor you. I don't know how to handle this. Tell me what to do. That is a very specific prayer in which God can begin to speak to you and reveal things in His Word to you about steps you can take about your current situation. So being specific um, has a lot of value. And again, this isn't the only thing that you can pray for. These are just kind of simple things to get you in a habit of praying throughout the day or, or at the beginning or end of your day. We've got to get in God's Word. I've said that a lot. I've said a lot about truth, a lot about knowledge. We've got to be in the Word. Um, if you're a new believer or you don't get in the Word a lot, I don't necessarily recommend starting with the one-year reading plan. Nothing against that. It's great. You know, being, being in the Word at all is awesome. Um, but that's a whole lot of material to cover really fast. Um, and you will grow in that, and you, you will um, deepen your relationship with Christ in that. So like I said, it, it, it's good. Um, but I would rather see someone take much smaller passages of Scripture and fully understand them on a deeper level. That way, those passages of Scripture are, are rooted in themselves in such a way that they um, may not have got if they just kind of breezed through um, Scripture. <coughs> um, the YouVerse Bible app, I'm sure we all have that on our phone, um, they, they have a new verse every day. So if every time you get on Facebook, read that verse to yourself, you know, and then, then get on Facebook, right? We all get on social media way too much anyways. We might as well get a little bit of Jesus in us when we do it. Um, pray a verse. Um, this is something that I have uh, tried to do recently, and I, I found it very helpful, and you might kind of wonder what that would look like. So we'll use even um, verse 23 and 24 from, from this passage. But praying, uh, praying the Bible is, is, is really unique um, and powerful, I feel, um, 
so you take, like I said, verse 23 or 24, and you say, Father God, um, I just want to worship you with my whole self. I want to worship you in spirit and truth. God, I want to honor you in all that you are, in all that you do for me, in all that your word says. I want to bring you glory. God, reveal yourself to me in the day-to-day things so I don't miss an opportunity to worship you. I don't miss an opportunity to give you glory. Um, and that's a that's a very simple way to pray scripture. And almost every, um, uh, there's a million different passages of scripture that you could pray. Um, obviously not all of them will translate that easily, but if we take time to pray um, God's word to us, back to him, it does something in our heart and in our spirit to, to have a better grasp on, on what it is. Um, do a Bible study with someone or go to a grow group. These verses that you memorize each day, um, talk about it with someone. Talk about it in a Bible study. Talk about it with your grow group. Um, when you begin to converse about God's word, um, it, it roots it in yourself in such a way that you wouldn't get if you just read by yourself um, on your own. You begin to discuss a verse um, and, and you understand how it becomes practical and how it can um, work in your life or how it applies to yourself. So doing a Bible study and talking about it with others. Grow groups are incredibly, incredibly important. And we don't say that because we want ministry, that ministry to look like it's successful or whatever. Like, There's a reason why we call that the heartbeat of the church is because biblical community is extremely, extremely um, important in our walk with Christ. Um, coming together as a church on a Sunday morning once a week is a fantastic thing. It is a celebration. It is like a big family reunion. Um, but Monday through Saturday, you need to have conversations with other people, whether it's one-on-one or in a group. Um, I can attest, uh, personally, um, several years ago, um, another church we were at, this was way before kids. This is when we were really young in our marriage, and I was still in the Marine Corps. Um, I, I hit a place in my life where I was not, not a good person. And, um, and our relationship was, um, we were not talking to each other. We weren't living with each other. There was, there was literally nothing left. Um, but thankfully Crystal was, had gotten in touch with a group of people who were in what they called the life group. And, um, I, I didn't really know any of these, these people, but they called me and they invited me to their home. We had food, we had dinner together. Um, and then they encouraged Crystal and I to, continue to pray and to seek God. They, they got us to get marital counseling from one of the pastors of the church, and God radically transformed our life and our marriage and transformed me personally um, through that. So I can't, I can't express to you enough how important being in a grow group is um, because it could literally save your life because it saved mine. Um, next, we've got to abide. Abiding is to stand on or stand in. It's to, to root yourself in the truth um, of Jesus. And so these things that we learn when we pray or when we're in God's word, um, we have to take steps. We have to do something about it. We have to apply it to our daily lives. We have to trust it enough that we will rest in it and, and, and use it in a way. Um, even when we may not see it clearly, we have to, we have to take it on um, in our lives and, and implement things. If we, if we don't take what we learn um, through God's word or, or if we don't take what we see God doing in our lives and we don't respond to it and we don't take action steps, um, then you will likely not grow in your faith too much, and you will likely still be eating um, milk, as as Paul would say. You'd be a spiritual infant, and you are missing an opportunity to worship God on a much higher and deeper level. Um, so we gotta abide. <clears throat> and last, 
We have to respond. So respond is kind of using all three of these things. It could be um, praise, repentance, uh, lamenting. You're, you're in a, a tragic season. It's, it's what you pray and God talks to you in prayer or what he shows you in your daily life. It's what you see in his word. Um, it's when you take steps of faith and you see God's faithfulness and sovereignty in those steps. And then you can respond and you can grow in your worship. Paul talks about this in Romans 12.1. Um, and he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. The, the couple of verses ago, and John, in this passage we're talking about, he's talking about true worshipers. Um, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So um, we have to, if a true worshiper is a, presents their bodies as a living sacrifice, that means it's got to be everything. It's got to be spirit. It's got to be truth. It's got to be intellect. It's got to be emotion. It's got to be our whole self. God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. God didn't, Jesus didn't die. Part of Jesus didn't die on the cross. All of Jesus died on the cross and all of his blood was spilled out to cover the sins of the world and you are saved and covered in that blood and we can praise God for that. So God doesn't want part of us. He doesn't want part of your life. He wants all of it. And so if we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, what Paul is saying was like, you've got to live a life like you love Jesus and, and, and you can't be transformed to this age. And for us, that would be we can't be so caught up in how busy we are that we miss God. We can't be so caught up in extracurriculars or our jobs or our relationships or whatever it is that we do. We can't be so caught up and conformed to it that we're missing Jesus. We can't do that. But we have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you can't be transformed by the renewing of your mind without truth. And when you know truth, you'll worship Jesus. And it all comes together. And it's all awesome. And I just think, I think as a, as a church, um, at least for me personally, um, growing up in the church, I didn't hear a lot about worship. I didn't hear a lot talked about worship. And some of these things sound somewhat um, <clears throat> simple. And kind of like, yeah, 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 okay, hold on, whatever. Um, but but I, I, I urge us all, um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to um, be intentional. We have to be purposeful. We have to seek God in even the little things. Um, and we have to give Him the response and the worship that He is due because God is in and uh, in everything, um, and He deserves our praise. And ultimately, when we're on the other side of heaven, that's exactly what we're going to do. In a new heaven and new earth, we will worship God. We will live in His presence, and we will glorify Him with the way that we live um, in eternity with Him. So uh, let's pray for a moment and then we'll, we'll be done. Uh, Father God, Lord, I thank you for um, this opportunity for us to come together and to um, study your word. And Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts and our minds. God, that we would see um, the truth of who you are, uh, who Jesus is, and uh, the truth about um, our life with you and our relationship with you. And God, let us not be complacent. Let us not be uh, so easy to slip into um, routine. But God, let us be vigilant. Let us be purposeful and intentional with our relationship with you um, and to seek you in all things. And just as Paul wrote to live uh, lives um, of sacrifice, of, of, um, of worship, Lord. And uh, Father, we love you and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.